Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We want to continue tonight with this that we've been on, uh, the mature believer. And... uh, This is so important because, number one, because the Bible tells us that we want to mature. Secondly, it's so important because of what God has promised us as a body. And the word that he continues and consistently uses is promotion, all right, a season of promotion. Uh, Pastor Michelle was talking about that last Sunday. As a matter of fact, the word of the Lord came to us in the Little Rock location uh, about the season of promotion. But we know just from what we've taught in the past that those things do not just occur. Uh, We're not just going to be promoted because that's what God desires. There will be uh, a responsibility on our part. And so there are things that we've got to move into to, to, to enter into that promotion. And one of those things is maturity. The Lord said this to me one time. He said, your ministry will never outgrow you. Now, now think about that for a moment. Now that, understand, that's a challenging thing for me to state. That's a challenging thing to hear, but it's a challenging thing to state, especially publicly. Because you open yourself up for all kinds of things. But here's the point. The ministry will never outgrow you. My level of maturity will determine the level of growth that God can produce and bring to the ministry overall. Amen. Our level of maturity as believers will determine what God can do for us through us, and with us, all right? And so the goal of the Christian life is maturity. That's the goal. The goal of the Christian life is to move from a place of spiritual uh, babyhood to a full-grown man in Christ, all right? Ephesians 4, verse 11 It says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ. Now, this word perfecting, it says that he's given the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher for the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting, it means the equipping. 
or the complete furnishing of the saints. All right? So in, in, with that word there, we're told that in the local church, in the body of Christ, we are equipped or furnished with what we need for what? To do the work of the ministry and, here's a phrase, edify the body of Christ. Amen. Edify the body of Christ. Tell your neighbor, I'm being equipped for the work of the ministry so I can edify the body of Christ. Try that one more time. Tell them, say, I'm being equipped for the work of the ministry so I can edify the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Now, then he goes on down and he says, until we come unto a perfect man. Well, you would think perfecting, perfect, you know, they have to mean roughly the same thing. But they don't. Perfecting means to be equipped or furnished. <clears throat> perfect means fully grown or a mature push person. When you look at it in the original Greek, uh, according to Ralph Earl's uh, New Testament words, it says a fully grown adult, someone that has, a has achieved mature adulthood. So perfect man is a fully grown adult or a mature person. So the reason for the equipping, for the furnishing, for this arriving at maturity is for what reason? So that the believer is no longer a child that can be moved about by winds of doctrine. All right? Notice he said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. Do you see that? Let, let, let me say this. Immature people are always looking for something new. Immature believers will stay with something for a while and then they're looking for something new. And every wind of doctrine that comes along, they grab a hold of it, they're swept away with it because of immaturity. You know, when you begin to mature just as, an, just as a natural human being, you begin to understand some things, all right? You begin to understand, there, there's a saying that says, you know, tough times don't last. When you begin to mature, you begin to understand that uh, uh, fall always follows summer, winter follows fall, spring follows winter, and summer follows spring. Now, what's that have to do with maturity? Because there's a time in just the natural course of things that the leaves turn brown on the trees, the grass dies, it gets cold. Amen. And you, you, you look out at your yard, you look out at the trees, you look out at the forest, and it just, it looks like everything is dead. It looks like everything is just, is passed away. And in reality, it has. It, it, it has went into a place of dormancy. But because you've lived long enough, you understand 
that one day you're going to look out the back window of your house or the back door of your house and you're going to start seeing green on the trees and green in the grass. Amen. You're going to, just because of natural maturity, you understand that seasons come and go. Amen. But you stay the same. Hallelujah. That's produced through maturity, through adulthood. Amen. That's, that's why when you see a child growing up, especially when they're little bitty, one, two, three, four, and, and so on, five, they have this wonderment. It's everything is like, wow. It's just there's this wonderment. It doesn't take very much to impress them. Right? Here's why. They don't have much maturity. They've not been on the earth very long. All right? And then once you begin to mature, you begin to understand what you need to take hold of and stay with. And Paul writes here, and he says, this maturity, this equipping, is so that the believer is no longer a child and no longer can be moved by the winds of doctrine. The defense against deception is maturity. If, if you mature in the things of God, you have a defense against deception. But then he makes this statement, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love means enfolded in love. So you may have to speak truth. Now understand, when the Bible talks about speaking truth, it is things that could be uh, challenging. Amen. It's things that could be uh, what we would call hard sayings. But Paul says, when you're mature, you speak those things in love. You wrap them in love. You make love burrito. Amen. And you speak them in love. Because that is maturity. That is a mature person. Uh, a mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to speak the truth in love. Now understand what I mean. I don't mean just you sound nice while you're saying it and you use soft words. You can sound nice and use soft words and not be acting in love. You're speaking the truth in love. Love coming from the inside of you because you care about the person you're dealing with. You're speaking the truth to that person that you love, that you care about. You're speaking the truth in love to them. Amen. Say it out loud. Mature people walk in love. Amen. Now, Galatians chapter 5. And I'll be real honest with you. I, uh, I've been working my way around to kind of start getting here because when you start talking about walking in love, uh, a lot of times people just check out because they're, they're, they're four or five verses ahead of you or chapters and, you know, they're waiting until you get over there to 1 Corinthians 13 
and, and they're bracing for the fact that love pays no attention to a suffered wrong and, 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 and you know that, 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 that love endures all things and, and that love is patient and love is kind. And, and, you know, the end result is, you know, we're going to talk about not being offended and don't be offended. And, and if you're offended, you're not walking in love. Well, that's all true. But I've really been asking the Lord to help me work this around so that we see this not just in a new light, but for the importance that it carries. The importance of walking in love. You know, the importance of walking in love is summed up in the book of Galatians chapter 5 when it makes this statement. It says, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith which worketh by love. Faith that is energized. The Woos Bible says, Faith that comes to full expression through love. That's, that's, that is the, one of the premier reasons that love is so important. My faith for anything will not be energized or work without the, the, the power source of love. Without the power source of love. Amen. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, For brethren, we have been, you have been called to liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Notice, by love, now by is that preposition, and it means the channel, all right, the, 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 the source by, that you by love serve one another. And the word serve here is a Greek word that means slave or steward or, or excuse me, slave or servant. And it's the same word that Paul used when he said that Jesus took on himself the form of a servant. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. He made himself of no reputation, but took on him the form of a servant. All right? The form of a, of a slave. The form of a, 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 a human being. Amen. It's important. Because in Exodus 25, verse 5 and 6, this is the picture that this brings up. Exodus 21, verse 5 and 6. And this is uh, when, uh, this is talking about the seventh year, the year of Jubilee, when servants were set free. And it says, uh, concerning a servant that's being set free in verse 5, if the servant will plainly say, notice, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He will also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Now notice this. This man had the right to become free. 
Now go back to Galatians and let, let's, let's look at this. This man had the right to become free. Galatians 5. And there are, when you read this verse, there are people that are wanting to go back under the law. They're wanting to go back under the rules and regulations of the law. And there's dissension in the church. And Paul says, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Now let's stop right there. In Exodus 21, the man was handed his liberty. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He could have left. He could have, he could have walked away from his master, his wife, his family. He could have walked off. All right? Paul says, you've been called to liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. So, what does that mean? I can do whatever I want to do. Because I've been made free by the grace of God and the mercy of God. All right? But he says, here's what you need to do. By love, you need to serve each other. In other words, you need to be concerned about the immature believers in your congregation that don't understand what's going on. You, you need to be concerned about them and you need to, by love, serve them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By love, serve one another. This man had his earlobe pierced and became a marked man forever. Everybody that saw the scar knew the man was serving his master because he loved him. Because he wanted to be there. Because that's what he chose to do. A mature believer serves because they love. And when I say serve, I don't mean just they work in the church, although that's important. We, we have become servants to each other. In other words, if I'm serving you, if I'm concerned about you, I'm not going to do anything to cause you to be tripped up. I'm not going to do anything to cause you to stumble or to fall. I'm not going to be the source of offense in your life. I'm not going to be the source of agitation in your life. I'm going to do everything I can by love to serve you. Amen. Do, do you see this? And Paul's telling the Galatians, look, you've not been called. Notice it again. He said, you have not, you've been called unto liberty, but don't use that liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't use the liberty that you have been given as an occasion to get over here and operate in the flesh and you're going to step out of love, and you're going to cause people to be hurt. He said, by love, serve one another. Hallelujah. Amen. Notice in Ephesians 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. 
Now, I know we say things like this a lot, but you wouldn't think you had to write to believers and tell them to put away bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking, and maliciousness, right? But this is the same chapter that he's explaining what those gifts are placed in the church for, for the maturing of the body of Christ. And then he says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So verse 31, put some things away, don't do these things, and then here are some things that I do want you to do as believers. What are they? Number one, be kind. That word kind means to be pleasant or benevolent. Never should we be grumpy Christians. We're kind and pleasant. Amen. Then he says, tenderhearted. Here's this word, compassionate or sympathetic. You know, compassion denotes mercy. Being merciful. Now, why do you want to be merciful? Because then you get mercy. Amen. He says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, compassionate, sympathetic, merciful. Amen. Do you see that? Now, somebody will hear that and they'll say, well, you know, if, and, and, and they take it way too far. Well, I want to be compassionate. And, you know, I know that person's doing this or doing that. But after all, I want to be compassionate. I want to be merciful. But the Bible tells us in this same chapter that there are things that you may see that you have to address and you speak the truth to that person enfolded, wrapped in love because you care about them. And I'm doing it out of compassion. I'm doing it out of mercy. Amen. Because I want to be kind and tender hearted. And then he says, kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. Here's this word, what it means forgive freely. Not grudgingly. Forgive freely. I started something some years ago in my life, and it's this. When a believer, a brother or sister may come to me, and they'll say, Pastor, I need you to forgive me. My response right there is, done. Done. Because you forgive freely. Amen. They may or may not go ahead and tell me what I need to forgive them for. But here's the thing. You asked me to forgive you, done. Why, that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Amen. Do I really need to know why I need to forgive you? See, forgiveness is a choice on my end. And if I choose to forgive, I can forgive anything. Say it out loud. If I choose to forgive, I can forgive anything. Amen. 
I remember one time years ago, I was standing in the back of the, the church here, and uh, I had ministered some on forgiveness. And uh, a young lady came up to me after I'd never seen her before. She came up to me very angry. And uh, she said, I heard what you said about forgiveness. And, and she said, so are you saying that I have to forgive the person that, and I forget the exact words that she used, but uh, it's, it's the same meaning, the man that molested me and, and these different things. Now, understand, I had to, first of all, employ this tenderheartedness, compassion, sympathetic, all right? That's a horrible situation. That's a horrible circumstance, all right? It's wrong. It's morally wrong. It's legally wrong, all right? But understand something. Understand. If I, and this is what I tried to explain to her, if I don't forgive that person, I'm keeping myself in bondage. Forgiving that person does not mean that they do not have to pay legally, in this case, for what they did. But you have set yourself free. That person no longer has... uh, Uh, authority over you they no longer hold anything over you amen when I choose to forgive freely I can forgive anything hallelujah why because that is that is in me the love of God is in me according to Romans 5 5 the love of God is there as a fruit of the spirit according to Galatians 5 I and love always, say it out loud, love always forgives. Say it one more time. Love always forgives. Try that once more. Love always forgives. Do you see this? So we forgive freely, not grudgingly. Notice, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. Now notice this. Notice this. Even as. Think about that. You are capable to forgive just like God. Well, how is that? Because it's love that forgives, and I have God's love on the inside of me. So anytime a believer refuses to forgive, they're stepping out of the love of God. They're stepping out of the fruit of the Spirit. They're stepping out of walking in the Spirit, and they're walking in the flesh. And a sign of spiritual immaturity is living a life dominated by the flesh. Amen. Then he goes on in verse five and verse uh, chapter five and verse one. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now stop and put this together. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. 
And then he says, with this being the subject, be followers of God. Well, what would, what would that, what would that uh, uh, infer? The word followers is the Greek word mimetes, which means to mimic or to imitate. So he says, forgive one another, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be you, therefore, imitators of God. In what context? In forgiveness. Imitate God in your forgiveness. Now see, we take this and, we pre- and it's right to preach on these things, but we preach on this and we say, you know, well, we call things that be not as though they were because God does. And the Bible says, be imitators of God. We speak to the mountain and the mountain moves because that's what God does. And Ephesians 5.1 says, be imitators of God. But in its perfect context, it's saying, forgive one another. And in doing so, you are imitating God. Amen. How many want to be like God? I want to be like God. And so he says, forgive one another. And by doing so, you imitate God. That was real good right there. That was, that was worth combing your hair and coming to church for tonight. Amen. Now notice, and he says, verse 2, and walk in love. And walk in love. That word walk in love is in the present imperative in the Greek. And it means keep on walking in love. Keep on walking in love. Tell your neighbor, say, keep on walking in love. Tell them one more time, say, keep on walking in love. You want to keep doing that. So it's something that I am to consistently do to keep on walking in love. When we are made perfect in love, it will show up in our interaction with our fellow believers. It'll show up in our interaction with fellow believers. One man said this. He said, we disgrace the family when we fail to walk in love. We disgrace the family when we fail to walk in love. Brother Hagen made this statement. I've read it numerous times and heard him say it. He said, a step out of love is a step away from God. Now that's important. Because what God wants to do in your life, what God wants to do in your family, what God wants to do in the ministries that He's called us to, that it is all predicated on our ability to mature and walk in love. Amen. Our ability to mature and walk in love. That's your goal, is to walk in love. What if we got up every day just trying to find somebody we could show the love of God to? Just trying to find somebody that we could manifest God's love to them in their life. Amen. Think about that. Keep on walking in love. And then he says, in what manner? 
as Christ also loved us. Whew. Now notice this. I am told to imitate God by walking in forgiveness. And then I'm told to walk in love like Christ loved us. Amen. Say it out loud. If the Bible says it, I can do it. Hallelujah. Listen, I, 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 I have dealt with this on a, maybe, well, not really a minor scale because it was a, it, it was a serious situation. But uh, some years ago, we had only been pastoring the church about one, t- one year, and a man... Uh, uh, that at one point was a board member of the church and uh, uh, a member of the church, him and his family, he got upset with me and uh, he started taking out quarter page of newspaper ads in the, in the paper and uh, about me, calling me a false prophet and a false prophet's outreach and, and all these different things. This, this man went so far as to have T-shirts made up that were derogatory about me and my wife. And, uh, you know, of course, DeSoto, there's not a, a, a huge town, not a big town. And uh, he, he would go down to McDonald's and drink coffee with the, 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 the morning coffee drinkers down there, the gossip crew, and, and wear those T-shirts and, and talk about me and talk about my wife and talk about things. And this is while he was still going to the church. And one morning, I was in my office, and my office at that time, well, it still does, but it was in a different location. I looked out the hallway, and uh, this man came into the hallway to get a drink of water. And the Lord said, I want you to go ask him to forgive you. There are not very many things that I can tell you that I've ever told the Lord I wouldn't do. But I said, Lord, I don't have anything for him to forgive. And he said again, I want you to go ask him to forgive you. And so finally I went out in the, in the hallway because I want to obey the Lord. And I walked up behind him and I said, Brother, I, I need to ask you please to forgive me. And of course, you know, he answered very curtly and very arrogantly. And... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to say, Lord, see, I told you, I told you it wasn't going to make any difference. I didn't say that. By the time I got back to my office, the Lord was dealing with me. And he said, I needed you to do that because now he can never say you didn't ask him. And because you obeyed from the heart, you've opened some things up that I can do in your life. And you know, also at that moment is when I forgave that man. I forgave that man. Hallelujah. Because if the Bible says you can do it, you can do it. I said, if the Bible says you can do it, you can do it. So he says, do this as Christ has loved us. Well, how did he love us? The next phrase and has given himself for us. So where is love found, my family? Love is found in the giving. Love is found in the giving. 
When we forgive freely and ungrudgingly, we're giving ourselves for the person that we forgive. I'm giving myself for the person that I forgive. Just as Christ gave himself for us. Oh, this is important. Because that's what mature people do. I say that's what mature people do. The, the, the husband, the father in a home, he does whatever he has to do to provide for that home, to provide for the needs of that home, to lead that home. He is giving himself for that home. The, the wife does what she needs to do because for the betterment of the entire home, giving themselves. Folks, when you refuse to be offended, you are not just being super spiritual. You are giving yourself for that person. You're refusing to be offended. Amen. I'm so glad I made the decision years ago. I refuse to be offended. I will not be offended. Amen. That's not just a super spiritual statement. When love overcomes you, when love overwhelms you, when you are focused on giving of yourself for other people and loving them and being kind and being tenderhearted and being forgiving, you don't have time to be offended. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you see that? Well, that, that, that person is always just, they, they always, you know, they, they say things and the way they say it, it just, what, why do they have to say it that way? Your job is to be ready to forgive and refuse to be offended. That's your job. That's your job. It does not make right what they did, what they said, how they acted. That's not the point, though. Your job is forgive. Your job is not be offended. Your job is give yourself. Why? Because when you're doing that, there are things that God can bring into your life. And you're obeying the Word of God. Am I helping anyone tonight? Notice verse 25 of Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I'm not talking on marriage, but I want you to see this. He says, husbands, here's how you're supposed to love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Amen. Do do you see this? I've counseled a number of marriages over the years. And uh, what I see, what I've seen in some cases is when immaturity's there and the couple will get married or, or they're thinking about getting married and the husband or the, the fiancé, the man and the, the, the male fiancé in the situation... He has an immature idea about things. He's not thinking about giving himself for that wife or that home or that family. All right? To to him, he's just going to be able to keep living life the way 
that he had been living it, you know, hanging out with the fellas, playing ball, doing whatever he needs to do. And he's not thinking about the time that he's going to need to give in conversation, the time that he's going to need to give in, uh, 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 you know, affection and, and taking care of his family. It's a giving of himself. That's love. Love is a giving of yourself to another person. Hallelujah. So we love as Christ loved. And that means we give ourselves to one another. We give ourselves to one another. We serve one another by love. Amen. We serve one another. Do do you see this? Love serves without any idea of recompense. Love serves the other person irregardless of if the other person, if we could say it this way, deserves it or does anything uh, to merit it or warrant it. Love serves the other person. Why? Because we're all the family of God. We're all the family of God. God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother. They have set the bar. They have set the standard. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus. And God loved the father so much that he would come. And loved us so much that he would come. And in both, they, in both instances, they gave of themselves for us. And then Paul says, now imitate God and love each other and forgive each other. And then love as Christ loved. Consistently walk in this God-like, Christ-like love and forgive. Be kind, be tender-hearted, and be forgiving. Amen. Now, Galatians 5. Watch my time. I don't want to go too far over the hour of power. Depends on how long Jim took over the offering. That's what makes my hour of power look long. Hallelujah. Praise God. Galatians 5 and 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now the verses before this are talking about biting and devouring one another, uh, and so on and so forth. And he calls biting and devouring walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh. Then he says... Verse 16, the King James says, this I say. In the Greek, it's an imperative statement. It's like he's saying, you know, uh, uh, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. And then he says, and listen, I say, this is what I'm telling you. This is my instruction to you. What is it? Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill, you'll not bring to completion 
the lust, the strong desires of the flesh. Now stop right there and think about this. What is the strong desires of the flesh that he's referencing? Biting and devouring one another. Not walking in love. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Now, folks, we're, we're all working on this. Ever what level I have achieved or you have achieved, there's still other levels to get to. So when I'm teaching and preaching this to you, it's not from the standpoint of I don't have to exercise this in my life. I've reached a level of perfected love. No, I'm still perfecting my love walk. But I'm telling you, as the Lord teaches me and trains me and leads me and guides me, what I'm seeing more and more is that to walk in the Spirit is to walk in love. And to walk in unforgiveness and to walk in, in, in any of the works of the... To, to walk in unforgiveness, to walk in offense is a work of the flesh. That's walking in the flesh. And Paul says, if you walk in the Spirit, and it's that, it's that word that means to become comfortable, that you have, the, the word is better translated, stroll. It's like taking an evening stroll. It's like strolling through your house. You know where everything's at. You can walk through your house in the dark because you know where everything's at. You've become so acclimated, you've become so comfortable that you can just stroll with no concerns. That's what he's saying about walking in the Spirit. Become so comfortable walking in the Spirit that there are things you do and you really don't even have to think about it anymore. You just do it because you're so caught up walking in the Spirit. Amen. You know, there are things that we have done in the flesh that we didn't even think about. It was just, it was just automated responses. Amen. I, I remember one time I was standing outside the church talking with a, a young man. And he had only been saved a little while. And uh, we were talking about something. We were talking about his car. And, uh, and uh, he made a comment about the car. I don't remember exactly what the comment was, but I do remember that he cussed. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, I, I, I don't want to say he, you know, he didn't look guilty or whatever, but he just didn't think about it because that's, that's the way he talked in the flesh. Now he was, he was getting better. He was saved, but it was just a word that he used so much. It, it didn't occur to him, you know, that there was anything wrong with it. It was just his response. There, there are people that their response to people that do them wrong is write them off, have nothing to do with them, not talking to them, right? They're done. I'm going to put them on my list. Huh. Amy, you know what they did to me? That's their automated response. And the only people that they can ever be around are people that don't disagree with them, people that don't have a different opinion. Amen. Because that's their response. Well, I'll show you. I just won't have anything to do with you anymore. 
Well, that is a person that's very comfortable walking in the flesh. They're very comfortable walking in the flesh. Folks, I believe we're getting to this place where walking in the flesh is going to begin to be something that we detest. That I just, I, you understand? I don't mean a life that we live in the flesh. I know we got a natural side to our lives. But you know, you can enjoy the natural side of your life and not walk in the flesh. See, because of wrong teaching, sometimes we get this idea that somebody that's walking in the Spirit doesn't enjoy life. That, you know, when they're on their vacation, instead of enjoying the beach, they're walking the beach going, yamba ba 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 si ba so ba sa Amen. They, 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 they can't sit and watch a good family movie with their family because they're in the spirit. They're so spiritual. No, that's not, that's not what this... I can walk the beach with my family and not be in the flesh. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Because my, my mindset is a spiritual mindset. And I detest walking in the flesh. The Bible calls the flesh over and over again. Think about what it calls the, 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 the flesh, the works of the flesh. The body of this death. The old man. The dead man. My old unregenerate self. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm not walking around as a believer with that old, decaying, rotting corpse that I used to be. I am walking around as a new creature in Christ Jesus who is comfortable walking in the Spirit. And I detest those works of the flesh. Am I helping you tonight? Hallelujah. So we want to get so comfortable walking in the Spirit that that's just our natural response. I've been thinking about this. I I want to get to the point of walking this out that when somebody says something to me that's uh, uh, intended to be harsh or, or whatever it may be, that I don't even recognize it. Now, somebody have to tell me they said something harsh to me. Oh, did they? That's, that's the place. I'll, why? That's the place of mature manhood in Christ. And Paul says, he uses the phrase, the works of the flesh. What does that denote? That the flesh is working. The flesh is attempting to lord its desires over our life. Oh, my goodness. Have you, have you ever picked up a little piglet or done anything with pigs? If you've ever done anything with pigs, here's what you know. Pigs scream. It doesn't matter what you do. If you reach out and touch their ear, we used to have some, some piglets on the, 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 the feedlot that I worked at, and, and they would get out from the, from the uh, hog wire. They'd get out. And we'd have to go round them up, pick them up. And man, you'd pick them up and their whole body would be tense. It was just one long squeal. 
I mean, oh my goodness, pierce your eardrums. That's how the flesh is. That's how the flesh is. The flesh will scream and yell and whine and moan and groan and complain and, and right? Because the flesh wants to work to lord its desires over our lives. But the Bible says that through the Spirit, I can put to death the works of the flesh. Amen. Through the Spirit, I can put to death the works of the flesh. Verse 22 of Galatians 5. This will be our last verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ. Now, that means those that belong to Christ. How many belong to Christ? Those that belong to Christ, notice what they have done. They have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Notice what he says. He lists the fruit of the Spirit. The very first fruit of the reborn human spirit is love. The very first one. I think it's interesting that when you look at the works of the flesh, the, very, the, the, the first two are adultery and fornication, the exact opposite of love. The exact opposite of joy and the exact opposite of peace. It's a work of the flesh. Now notice this. So love is the very first fruit of the reborn human spirit. And then he says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Now think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How do I crucify the flesh? It's a simple answer. You ready? Walk in love. That's it. When I walk in love, I'm crucifying my flesh. You are not going to have your way. I'm going to walk in love. That's why Paul tells us over and over again in Romans 6, he talks about uh, sin, lording over people. And he says, he that is dead is freed from sin because he that's dead is crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. I, old regenerate self, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, new, new man, new creation, regenerated spirit, I live, yet not I, the old man, the old unregenerate man, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives through me. And the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Listen to this. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Every time you walk in love, you are emphasizing the fact that you have been crucified with Christ 
and that old unregenerate person no longer exists and that a person of love and a person of kindness and a person of forgiveness and a person of mercy and compassion has taken his place and that you take your place in the body of Christ and you wrap your words in love and by love we serve one another and we grow and we mature and we expand for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's good news. Hallelujah. So say it out loud. Say, Father, I choose to walk in love. I choose to forgive. I choose to be merciful. I choose to be compassionate in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're growing and because we're growing, there's things that God's going to do for us. Amen? Hallelujah. We'll stand up, everybody.